Welcome to the future of NFTs, brought to you by Adlunum, the first engaged to earn proof of attention IDO launchpad. Hosted by co-founder and CEO, Natya Bester. We bring you exclusive insights on NFTs, the revolutionary digital technology that's transforming the world as we know it. Welcome, 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 everybody. Thank you for joining us today. This is the future of NFTs, usually hosted by the co-founder of Adlunum, Natya Bester. But today, you're stuck with me. I'm JP from Adlunum INC, today talking to you about everything to do with NFTs. Um, the program is designed to take a deep dive into the fascinating world of NFTs. That's what we want to bring out and educate, uh, share awareness about. Join us as we, you got to join us as we speak to founders, leaders, visionaries in the NFT space, especially our speaker today. I've had the privilege of speaking to her uh, once before we had this program. Um, and there's, I know that there's a lot that she would like to share with us today, plus a lot of experience of hers that have put a spotlight on what NFTs are about. A uh, few announcements before we begin. Uh, you know, the views expressed on this program belong to that of the speaker and is not to be considered as financial advice. Uh, in case we drop off the air, please watch our link at Adlunum INC for the next one because we know that Twitter Spaces sometimes, well, decides to act on its own accord. In addition to that, the final, the final thing I'd like to share with you is that uh, please use your emojis if you come across something that the speaker has said that you, you like. We have a Q&A round right at the end of our program. We will open it up to the audience, but if you would like to ask a question, Feel free to send that in directly to the speaker or to the Adlunum INC handle. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, let's get the show on the road. Okay, our speaker today is the CEO of uh, and co-founder at Blind Boxes, which is a gamified multi-chain Web3 launchpad powered by BLES. Since 2015, our speaker has been an investor, an advisor, and a public figure in the blockchain space. She currently serves in the advisory board for multiple DeFi projects, including Dentiverse, Chromie.io, Nilmatic, Completion, the Female Pleasure Society. Anita is a native New Yorker with an engineering and business degree from Columbia and Yale, uh, respectively. So, ladies and gentlemen, Put your emojis on the screen. Welcome, Anita. Hey, Anita. Hey, everybody. Yeah, thanks for the introduction. It's really great to be here and uh, excited to kick off this conversation. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Anita, I'm glad that you agreed to be on the show today. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's always been a pleasure speaking with you and interacting with you through, through the connections that we have. Very pumped up to find out and, you know, be able to share the message of what Blind Boxes is about, as well as your perspective on what, what is happening in the NFT space, all right? So, I know that I gave you, uh, I gave the audience a bit of your background from your, you know, um, your experience, right? But I'm also curious to understand what makes you tick. Absolutely. So, yeah, thanks for the, the, the background of my, you know, my education and where I'm from is, is interesting, but it all ties into who I am. So I would say before crypto, I had a pretty diverse career as well. So I worked both in 
the medical and finance field. So working within like business development and sales and M&A and investment banking within the pharmaceutical industry, as well as working within the entertainment field as a professional musician and as an actor, right? And so these two different worlds, which I could probably spend a long time talking about, um, don't seem like they would connect, but in, in a, being a human being in those worlds, you get exposed to very different ways of thinking and different types of people. So I would say my career from, you would say, since university until now has been, a lot of it has been connecting the dots between the different types of uh, people that I encounter in the different worlds that I worked in before crypto. And then when you get to the crypto world, we'll say broadly, the diversity is very immense. You know, no one can say that they've been in crypto since the beginning of time because crypto is very new. It's still, you know, it's still an evolving field. So everybody comes to the table with their own unique backgrounds and horizons experiences. And we're all here trying to do something interesting into the next big thing. So I would say that's one thing to mention is just that there's a very diversity to the background. So, but in terms of what makes me tick, it's, it's all about finding value in new technologies and finding ways to extend that value to a larger group of people. Um, I would say without getting into a long speech about it, but the one thing that got very interested in crypto back in around 2015 was when I was uh -huh. reading through the Bitcoin white paper and I really, uh, really resonated with me, these ideas of decentralization and uh, a dispersion of control amongst people in order to even the playing ground. So that you can see that with regular tokens and as well. NFTs as well. So, um, you know, that's something that I carried through from, we'll say, the early stages of crypto to now with the NFT Web3 space. How can we extend the values of decentralization and access to capital to not just the small group of people who typically have access to these things, you know, in traditional funding, but to the larger person, we'll say the regular person or a person from an artist background or the type of person who's typically not included any sort of financial instruments and, and ideas. Hmm. Interesting. I am. I, I especially like how you you are able to connect the dots, especially as being a human being in various spaces, uh, and that leading you to this particular stage. So, so that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that journey with us. Uh, I'm also certain that it resonates with a lot of people in the space. Yeah, because, you know, in, in, you know, depending on what your background is, you know, you might have been taught growing up that, you know, say investing wasn't for you, depending on where you're from. You know, it's always it's only for, we'll say, this group of people or that group of people. And I think one benefit of the NFT space crypto overall is it started to show people, for better or for worse, that this could be something that they can get involved in either as a creator or as an investor uh, at any level. Mm -hmm. But, you know, with that access, become, uh, there comes responsibility and it's not that risk, of course. Of course, of course. Um, cool. So, uh, let me take, let's take a deeper dive into this. I mean, we've, you've spoken about okay, getting into the Web3 space and, of course, uh, having an engineering background, you know, uh, the exposure to the arts as an actor. Um, I'm still curious to understand what was that moment when you thought, NFT, right? NFTs is the space to be for me. I remember it was in, I believe it was 2018, a good friend of mine introduced me to CryptoKitties. And, you know, this, the CryptoKitties really resonated with me because as a child, I've always been a bit of a collector myself. So I guess my biggest flex is that I still have unwrapped Pokemon cards from the late night, from the 2000s, you know what I mean? And I remember as a kid being very much into collecting things like pods and toys and things like that. And with CryptoKitties, that was the first time I saw something 
that looked, you know, they reminded me of that world, but I understood what they were trying to do, you know, with the blockchain component, right? So I think it wasn't like my first exposure to NFTs wasn't hearing about, for example, people and, you know, selling you know, JPEG and the, the large numbers. It was on aspects uh, on CryptoKitties, which were much less expensive, but they were really experimenting with this new technology and this new concept of digital ownership. So that was really exciting to me. So I would say CryptoKitties was my first introduction to NFTs. Okay, awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like how I like how that that transitions from from, from this point to, to another. Uh, you know, and, and I'm certain that that's. If, uh, I also want to understand because I, I feel that I'm certain. I, I should be honest. I, I feel that I'm certain that that kind of led you to do uh, you know your project blind boxes, right? Uh, but what was? Tell us a little more about that. About the origins of blind boxes? Uh -huh. Yes, absolutely. So it was, uh, I'd say, the end of 2020, it was uh, deep into COVID. And I remember, you know, at this point, I was living in Berlin. And this is, it goes into this intersection of arts and the art world, the creative world, and the financial world. I was in Berlin, which is the capital of, you know, we have many freelancers and artists and, and people trying to create things. And suddenly, no one was able to work in the way that they could because of COVID lockdown. Meanwhile, in my feed and in my, my other life, say my crypto life, I was seeing, mm -hmm. it was DeFi summer was tapering down, but I was seeing all of this yeah. innovation and excitement around DeFi and different tools and also the emergence of NFTs coming back on the scene. And I remember thinking, is there a way to tie these together based upon everything that I, I know about both worlds? And, you know, right on top of all of this sort of brainstorming is when I first personally encountered PopMart. So PopMart is a, a Chinese company that is massive, and they've been around for many years, and their target audience is, so they make toys, collectible toys, physical toys, and their target audience is typically women in their late 20s to mid-30s who have, mm -hmm. you know, external income. So it's not for children, but it's, you know, for adults who want to collect things for collectors' purposes. And right. they're probably, you know, wildly successful, and their their whole thing is they have these uh, blind box type vending machines and model of selling things. And I remember just oh. reading about this and thinking, well, could we do this on the blockchain? Could that be interesting? And could that bring value to people? Mm -hmm. And then we did. Yeah, that's how we. That's how the idea came together. <laughs> well, well, that that's a that's a very interesting connection. That, but I'm certain that you you've got a team, and and how did you bring them on board to it? Yeah, I remember at this point, so I remember, you know, when you have an idea, it's always important to find a team to help you execute that idea, which is, I'd say, probably the most difficult. If there's anybody who's a founder on this call, whether it's in the Web3 space or Web2 space, whatever you're trying to do, your team is so important. It's so important. Um, yeah, I guess it's a topic for a whole other podcast because it's something that no matter what you're thinking, what your ethos is, the timing, who your investors are, if your team is not there, then it doesn't work. So, but I remember uh, in, build, in building the initial team, I worked with uh, advisors who, uh, you know, are well-versed in the space and were able to connect me with the technical talent to make it work, um, as well as the marketing teams as well. Okay, okay. So, so primarily you, you were able to, to launch this because you, ha you had, of course, good advisors, you know, uh, ecosystem around you that was able to... Yeah, I'd say for, for any founder in the space, you know, having advisors who've done this done in the past is important. Although I would mm -hmm. say it's really important for anybody, whether you're investing in NFTs or launching an NFT project, 
Um, you have to do your own research and you have to be have a healthy level of skepticism about every message that comes to you, every person yeah. that comes to you. It's just like the, the world is full of landmines. Trust no one, but also be confident. Um, so yeah, that's that's an, an interesting thing to talk about. Well, okay. Um Fine. Uh, let's let's pivot this conversation a little, Anita. If you're comfortable with that, when it comes to NFTs, of course, beyond just beyond just art, there's there's multiple utilities of it, right? And from where you stand, I'd like to get a a, a base understanding about you know what comes in the way of more adoption uh, of NFTs, and for all for all its purposes that you'd like to share. Okay, so. I think when I think about utility and value in NFTs, the thing that I think about the most is long-term versus short-term horizons from perspectives. And so one thing I'll talk about a trend that I've seen in the industry that many on the call will probably be familiar with is that you have a project, it's launched, and it's all about the hype is and the FOMO. It's all about those uh, instantaneous uh, forces that are pushing both the projects and the investors and the people that are interested. So, mm -hmm. for example, if a, if a token is about to launch or it's, it just is launched, people want to know what's your roadmap. When they say roadmap, they mean like what's happening tomorrow and next week and the two weeks after that. You know, that's the horizon which most people are, many people are really thinking about. Mm -hmm. I'd say class of eight. And so if you have investors, okay, that's if that's the typical early stage investor profile will say, which I would, I would agree is, is the case, you know, very short-term yeah. focus. The problem is, if you have a project that's worth anything or is meant to be worth anything innovative, it time it's necessary to take time. Mm -hmm. Especially if, for example, a project is a game or anything that has a network effect, right. necessarily the project must take the time to find that product market fit, which is like the one thing people don't talk about, mm -hmm. as well as execute. That yeah. said, you know, you need these early stage, we'll say DJ investors, because who else will be will say crazy enough or uh, have the risk capacity enough to invest in a project that's only a couple of weeks to a couple of months or less than a year old. Yeah. So I think that, you know, what there needs to be is, you know, if a project tries to uh, sort of capitulate or uh, acquiesce to the, the goals and the time horizons of the, mm -hmm. the early stage investors and they try to rush, they're going to create something that is vaporware-ish or is very thin and light in terms of utility and actual value. So there has to be an interplay where you as a project can build and give yourself the time to build while also addressing your early stage investors in ways that make sense, I would say. Um, and so, yeah, I think that said, the age of the five NFTs, so I'll just explain what that is, that's essentially like a board ape yacht club, right? So if you think of what board ape yacht club first started, they were the, we'll say one of the first of their times to just be, you know, they're just a PFP project. But yeah. they hold the vibe, and that's about the way that they marketed their go-to-market strategy at that point was very unique. And then they subsequently mm -hmm. had value later. And then mm -hmm. if you've been in the space long enough, you'll know that plenty of projects have copied the number of monkeys that you'll just see, in, you know, digital mm -hmm. monkeys around the world. And so that, in a way, it seems like it would have, like, sort of uh, soured that model. But it's it's still yeah. the case that you can build, launch a project or whatever you're trying to launch. And mm -hmm. if you're launching just on vibe, I think my advice to you is very quickly figure out what you're going to do next. Because the vibe idea is not going to last. It's not sustainable. There are only so many companies that can launch like that. I would say another 
meta that I think is fading is the celebrity NFT meta. So it's not to say that celebrities cannot and will not launch NFTs and at blind boxes, we focus on this as well, but there has to be much more than just a celebrity tying your name to something. And um, that's something that probably might seem obvious to those on this call, but I'd say if you go one step removed, if you're a really novice person in this space, you might say, hey, uh, yeah. Let me think of like Mariah Carey, for example, is launching an NFT. Buy it, but you know, mm-hmm. and you have to know that um, if the if there's no team around this NFT project, then mm-hmm. there's nothing there. Um, so I, I think the, the old ways of doing things that are short term uh, is it's just not going to work anymore because the average uh, long investor is too savvy for that. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you you know it's interesting when you put it that way that uh, the the whole point is about value, right? Because that's that's I suppose where where everybody's trying to wrap their heads around. Uh, and the naysayers when it came to NFTs had exactly the same problem, right? I mean, what is it? Oh, it's just a PFP. It's not sustainable. It's not going to work. And then you can still see the success, right? You can track the arc of how some of those NFTs went. Uh, and yet, at the same time, you can see, okay, yes, the price fluctuations that, that did validate that statement. Uh, but there still is something there, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at the top performing uh, projects, say, if you took a snapshot in the past week of the top performing projects of all time, the one thing that we see in common is I'd say I think 90% of them, or 99% of them, uh, have fully docked teams that have really deep experience. And this is the, I guess, maybe where I should have started. It's the people behind the project. So if, if you bring it back to first principles, what you're investing in, when you're buying an NFT, yes, you're buying a JPEG, but again, a JPEG is, is in itself has no value. You're really mm-hmm. buying into the economy that mm-hmm. the creators are making, whether they're anonymous or not. So, you know, they're creating a fixed supply, for example, they're creating mechanisms that, that, uh, govern the uses of the token, but in the end, there's still people behind it. Until a project spins out into a DAO, for example, in the beginning, you're investing in just like any early stage startup, right? Like if you're buying into an NFT, of course, they're not, they're not securities. You're not actually buying a stock in in a company just to clarify, but Mm -hmm. as a proxy for that, you're buying into your project with the idea that the people behind the project are going to deliver on the promises and ideas that they make. And also that those ideas make sense, right? And so, you know, when I say make sense, you got to think about uh, the economics of anything. It's supply and demand. <laughs> and many projects, I'd say, focus on supply. They're very transparent about the supply of NFTs and, and where right. they're going to come from. But the demand side tapers off. Who's going to, what's going to, you know, the big question you should ask yourself when investing in an NFT project is, what's going to give this project value beyond the first three or four weeks of hype? And that has to come from what the team has said and what you believe in the team. So I would say the biggest utility of any future NFT product actually comes into the founders and the team and then subsequently the community around it. Right. Yeah, I, th- I think when, when you know, the... Um the board apes uh, started, I think that they, they, they latched onto that pretty, pretty quick, right? And especially when it came to having a yacht club, um, that was what brought the exclusivity, the, you know, the economy to it, uh, that I, I belong to a, a very select group, uh, you know, a very niche group, maybe even an elite group. Uh, you know, and, and that was the, that was the value they were selling. But you know that's right. not the, so that's one way. Like I say, I think that's one way to do it, right? So you can essentially have your NFT 
be a membership ticket to a very exclusive club that only has XYZ people in it and gives you certain values. But think about it, in the real world as well, there are many different types of clubs. For example, yes. there are gyms which you can join and, you know, anybody can join a gym. You pay $50 mm-hmm. a month and now you have access to this gym and you have access to the bathrooms, the shower, the sauna, for example, and those exist mm-hmm. and those are very accessible. And so mm-hmm. I think uh, one thing I end up talking to people a lot is just stretch the idea of what these entities can do. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. just be this luxury Ferrari sort of thing that sits in your garage that you show off to your friends. That could be one thing that you do, but you also have plenty of other things in your life that you have membership to and that you have access to that are more affordable and more interesting and more accessible. Is spot on. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you put the spotlight on that um, because this is this is one of the one of the key reasons that people need to, need to understand when it comes to to NFT projects like these, right? The ones that we really focus on on digital art, uh, but also have the the thought process of doing the, the ecosystem around it, and which is why most of the other copycats will fail. Mm-hmm. 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 Exactly. All right. Okay. Super. So uh, that being said, I want let's let's pivot back to let's pivot back to blind boxes, right? Um, I know that you've got a you've got a great team uh, that that's backing you up. Tell us a little about your community. Yeah. So we have a community that was uh, spawned back when we launched the token. Um, mm-hmm. We are very active on say all the social media channels, and I would say our community is primarily full of early stage investor types. Uh, when we launched, one of the, I could say, I could say challenges, or something, because maybe this is helpful, um, but one of the challenges and ideas we have to work with is the idea that we're building communities for both investors and creators when you're first launching. So, you know, what I say, when Boneybox was first launched, we were focused on bringing in, we'll say, celebrity projects, projects by amazing cutting-edge artists, so focusing primarily on the art space. And it was interesting because we were building these with Telegram and Discord and, and Twitter and building these tools, trying to accommodate both groups. And the, the type of people who were interested in the investment side were a lot less interested in, we'll say, the art side and then vice versa. Since the business model has evolved and we're not only just doing art anymore and we're focusing primarily on utility of all types, it's our messaging has had to change. But I would say building your community, you have to think about um, the actual human beings are going to be a part of your community. And then, like I mentioned, also uh, looking into long-term versus short-term things. So if you're always focusing on providing short-term value, you're going, which you know affects your token price, for example, you're going to ostracize certain users. And if you're constantly focusing on you know artistic development, for example, or other niche things, you know, it doesn't work. So I'd say when you're building your community, you have to think about building the appropriate channels for everyone you're trying to bring in. But yeah, the typical person that is within the blind box community is a savvy sort of investor. I would say we don't necessarily cater to early stage or sorry, newbie investors so much yet, although that's something we're trying to do. But mm-hmm. I would say in this space, the, the category of people who are, we'll say, quote unquote, newbie investors is very, very small. The average person who is really participating in the launch pad space is seasoned or is going to do it more than once. So that's who we're actually focusing on. 
Super. Okay. Um, so I, I like that you you brought in the human element to this because the human story is what what connects you know everyone else in the community too. It's something that they can relate to. Somebody that they can um, they can look at as oh this this person's like me, right? Um, I, I'm curious curious to know uh, are there any cases that you can share you know when it came to blind boxes that you'd like to you'd like to talk about uh, in your development or your community development? Are there any cases of, of what? Um, any any uh, specific you know stories you'd like to tell us about when it came to building your community and you you, you found something new, something different in that? Oh yeah, okay. So hmm, let's see. I would say I wouldn't say specifically, but I would say one thing I've learned uh, as a personally is that if you are you know with any launch, any launch of any product or any service that you have. Our idea launch, you know, there is a potential for uh, issues, hiccups, delays, technical stuff, hacks, all sorts of things that can go wrong. Right? And like anybody who's launching anything should know that and should focus on that actually. You know, when you're, I think oftentimes when you're building something, you focus on what success is going to look like and what you need to do to get to success and XYZ, but you have to spend sufficient time, no matter what it is, even something like Twitter Space, for example, just spend that time to think about what fail failures will look like. And then be able to failure or hindrances or back, uh, backups. And then, but one thing I'll say is a crypto community is tough and aggressive and brutal, and but they, they value communication. So I would say right. in the past, you know, we've been around for almost two years now, almost two years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when anything, whether it's a delay or anything that's different, if you can communicate directly with your community, really mm -hmm. strongly, clearly, then you can go a long way. I think that that's what makes the space very uh, special. Thank you for that. Um, I agree. I mean, if you have you know um, a direct communication with your with your community, if you have uh, the ability to be, uh, of course, more and more transparent, keep them updated, let them know what you're thinking, let them know what you're doing. Uh, you know, they, they're gonna trust you more. Right. Well, but, but yeah, there's a, there's a tendency for them to trust you more, but in the end, and I think it's crypto, I think you can work on building this trust, but in the end, you know, it's blockchain. As a community, we have to look at the numbers, and I think there's only so much trust that even, even your own community will give you over time. You have to keep on showing results, keep showing results, keep showing results. Exactly, exactly. I want to dwell a little bit about this this part of the communication cycle, uh, and, and I think that this is something in a, in a conversation you said before. Uh, when it comes to feedback from the community, you know, um, how do you, how, you know, what is, where does your antenna go up? Uh, you know, where's, um, uh, where's the one spot that you'd look at, or where are some of the spots you'd look at to say that, hey, you know what, somebody's not too happy with this, or this is, this is a good idea. We can we can pivot. I think so. I think the trust thing is when you start to find that your community, and this is what I look at whenever I'm evaluating projects myself as an investor or looking at other projects with people. If you if, if it feels like the level of trust is very low, um, that's it's a red flag, and it just means something needs to be done. It doesn't mean everything is all is lost because I think the average crypto investor, especially if they're speculating, is. Uh, has trust issues, I would say, rightfully so, we've all been scammed. But if, if the community is not addressing that, right, so if, if you go into a Discord and it's just constantly people, for example, calling a project a scam, XYZ, um, the, the community has to address it. They, you know, they can't look away from that. So that's very important. Makes sense. 
Uh, yeah, you're you're right about that. Uh, you know, ab absolutely, absolutely. Uh, can, and, in, yeah, in, in, oh, sorry. And then I think what you were saying, um, and then what feedback do I push back yeah. on? And another thing, a question you might hear people say very blankly is, "What can I do with this token?" Right? Yeah. And that's a clear question that the utility is missing, right? And your mm -hmm. answer as a project uh, manager can't be. You know, it should never be something like sell it. You know, for example, you know, if the value of your token is just speculative, then you're running into uh -huh. the securities law and it's fine, but it's not sustainable in any means because as soon as mm -hmm. the value goes up, people are going to sell. So you really, if, if people have to ask what your utility is and you don't have that answer and, mm -hmm. you know, if that question keeps coming up, then you have to do more to build it. But the cool thing is that it is possible to add utility after the fact, this is one cool mm -hmm. thing about, about NFTs is the technology itself, it's, we'll say it's immutable because it's you know, mm -hmm. on the blockchain, et cetera, but it's very flexible mm -hmm. because you can pile utility and ideas and concepts onto it. So if you're running a project, if you are an NFT creator and you're starting to have a community say, what do I do with this? What you, I, don't, I don't know. You can, you know, stop and reevaluate mm -hmm. and actually add utility to your NFTs after the fact. Which is the case with Board Ape Walk. When they launched, they just were a JPEG PFP scenario. Yeah. And then, you know, for whatever reason, the team got together and started to understand that they needed to build and add to it. And they did. And subsequently, they've been off to the races, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Obviously, obviously. Okay, yes. Well, that, that is, that is, it is interesting that you, you, you say that. And um, in between this, and sorry, I did, I did have another question uh, that I wanted to ask to get deeper into it. But um, I'll take your answer and I'll ask you another one. Um, all right. So, uh, the so the evolution, all right. Yes, this is, this is what it was, right? Now, so you, you've obviously, um, lived through, uh, lived in multiple places and, you know, being in the industry that you are, uh, even if, even if you were there before, but where you are now, um, through your travels in the places you've stayed in, um, what do you, what do you think is, uh, some of the, how do I phrase this? Let me think. Uh, what do you feel is the vibe when it comes to the NFT community today in, in these places now? Yeah, so I, I do travel quite often, and even before the NFT, my, my experience in the NFT space, one thing I always do when I travel is talk to people about crypto, right? It's just something mm -hmm. I'm always talking about it. It, it happens. And, but my yeah, what else is there to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make me very popular sometimes at certain social events, but we work through it. And, but right. oftentimes what I'm specifically trying to understand is what's the more general outlook where I am. So whether I'm mm -hmm. in you know, a different country, different city, or if I'm talking mm -hmm. to a person, maybe a younger person, or you know, whatever the demographic is, I'm just trying to understand yeah. what they hear. And it's the one thing I'll say is that we're still so early. I have friends from you know my my universities and different yeah. different parts of my life, uh, and mm -hmm. people I've encountered who still have no, even they wouldn't even be able to understand the the acronym NFT. They have no idea. They might have just heard about it on CNBC. And they think it's all scammy, which I'd say is interesting because, you know, what is the next wave of adoption going to look like when these people finally start to understand what the potential is? When projects mm -hmm. come that are, really do have major appeal, I think the, the limits are, are really moved for that. But we're still super early stage. Yeah. I would say that the recent events in the crypto space haven't helped because most mm -hmm. people, they, they don't know the difference between an NFT, uh, fungible and non-fungible token, 
It's all just yeah. crypto. It's all just scammy. It's all SBF. You know. So everyone tends to loop it together. So unfortunately, we have a reputation issue in the overall blockchain mm-hmm. space. But okay. the flip side is that companies are still really interesting products. We're still building, still growing. And it's going to be like the, the dot-com bubble, like I would say, which I'd say, you know, after the dot-com era, 90% mm-hmm. of the companies went away, but the 10% that stayed became the Amazons and XYZs of today. So, well, um, okay. So exactly. So when it when it comes to some when it comes to the why, uh, this is some of the feedback, of course, that you get. Uh, you know, there's there's still it, it still seems that people need to be educated more. Uh, certainly, that's that's one of the reasons why we have a show like this, and of course, we have speakers like you who are able to, to put a spotlight on what the true value of of the NFT is, as well as the trend is going to take going going forward, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, it's absolutely. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, so I'm, you know, so thinking about thinking about it from from that same point of view. Um, what do you see is the future for for NFTs? And from a, a, you know, I, I know that you you feel very strongly, and that's what you know you built boxes around uh, is the generation of value. Right, uh, but what do you see as the future trends when it comes to NFTs? You know, how do you think it's going to evolve from its current uh, manifestation? Absolutely. So I am very bullish on the future of NFTs. I think the the first way I like to think about them is NFTs are tools that democratize fundraising and value creation and value sharing between people. They have the potential to do that. So the democratizing mm-hmm. part comes back down to this decentralization and all of the benefits that you get from the blockchain that we can talk about again in another podcast. That said, mm-hmm. a tool is not the end of, is not the be-all end-all, just like we have right. tools. And so the next iteration, the, the companies and the projects and the investors that are going to come out on top in the next more mature iteration of NFTs and blockchain and, and DeFi, for example, are going to be the projects that understand the potential for the tools and take risks and take experimentation and continue to build. And these projects are not going to be the ones that come in and out in the middle of the night. So this sort of get rich, the pump and dumps, those are always going to exist and they're fine. Those are for certain types of investors and you need that to keep the market excited. There's a space for those. But longer term, the the Amazon of NFTs, for example, I'm not a huge fan of the Amazon, but in terms of the, the big names of the next five to 10 years within Web3 space are going to be the ones that mm-hmm. take this tool and extrapolate in big ways. And I would love to say that I know exactly which ways those are going to be, but I think we are still quite early stage in terms of the business models that can potentially be there. But what I would say is just simple. If you just want to have a takeaway mm-hmm. what you'd be looking out for, what can be interesting, look for NFTs that uh, are approachable, okay, mm-hmm. and that are um, have real utility. So Utility should be something you can explain to your your say your your parents who are not technical. What is this this NFT worth? What does it do? And you should even be able to make an Excel sheet, right? Thinking about how much it costs, and then project if you want to think like this, the actual value you'll get from it. So you know, if it's an NFT membership, that's a membership pass to a club, that's exciting. Or if it's land, I really like the idea of digital land digital real estate, mm-hmm. um, and identity verification. 
Finally, there's going to be a space for these five NFTs. So these are NFTs where their primary utility comes from being a status symbol. I mean, human beings, we are status, we're status animals. I remember mm -hmm. being in high school buying the newest Jordan sneakers. It's a status symbol. But imagine if those, for example, Michael Jordan sneakers I bought back in the 2000s, what if I yeah. still have them? I, I don't even still have them anymore because who knows, they get lost. So if it was a digital good, I can still have it and it'd be in pristine condition and I can do things with it. So yeah, it's all about utility and it's about longer term horizons, I'd say. Fair enough. Um, that being said, just want to let you know, I still have my Air Jordans from back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm in good condition. I'm in good condition. <laughs> that, that, is, that is something I would rather not speak about, but it's, it's certainly there as a memento. Uh, <laughs> I know. I have this, it's a, I have this like, a gold-plated Pokemon card. It's okay, but I, I, I could have put it in better condition. At the point, at that point, I was being wow. young, I was like, yeah, I needed to be, I could have done a little bit better with keeping but, yeah. yeah, you know, a, a friend of mine, uh, it's, it's interesting, and I, I want to deviate from this, but the first time I found out about uh, comics, because I, I wasn't in the U.S., uh, but the first time I taught, found about the value of, uh, of comics was when, when a friend of mine who was living in New York came down. Uh, you know, he showed me his, uh, I think it was one of the, the first Spider-Man um, comics that ever came out, right? The Amazing Spider-Man. And he had it in, in near mint condition. And, right. And, and, and at that time, you know, it, to me, it was just a comic book, right? And I was wondering, why is there no crease on this? Why isn't it rolled up? Why isn't it folded, right? And mm -hmm. he wouldn't even let me touch it. it I think he, he even turned the pages with the tweezer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, imagine if you had a digital version of that that you could show off. Like, that's the one other value of NFTs that you can have as collectible, but you can get value from it mm -hmm. without it just be sitting in your safe at home. You can show off yeah. your comic book on your profile. Another thing, like, uh, we didn't mm -hmm. mention that. I'm really excited about this idea that many of these Web2 social platforms are starting to integrate NFTs into them because the one big hindrance of this NFT space is, okay, I bought this NFT, how can I show it off? That's one big part of the value of having anything, right? What People get fancy cars, for example, um, because of their ability to drive and et cetera, but it's also the status aspect that comes to it. So having this display layer integrated into, for example, Reddit now, Instagram, Facebook, that's a good first step. And then I'm also very personally excited about some decentralized social networks that will also use these. Um, so yeah, that's something to look out for. Ways for you to show off your NFTs and then get access using them. Certainly. I mean, you know, it, it would be a whole different ballgame if, if more people had, had at least access to the NFT without having to destroy it. Right, like that's something physical that has a shelf life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Okay. Um, that being that being said, I think I got I got a question that's that's already coming in from the audience. So I'd like to take this moment for uh, those of you in the audience who want to send in a question, please go ahead and send it to Adlunum INC. Or if you'd like to ask that question, raise your hand and we can try and make you a speaker so that you can ask our uh, speaker today. Uh, a, Anita from the CEO of Blind Boxes be able to take that question. All right. Okay. Uh, uh, right. So I'll I'll go to the last question before we before we move forward uh, and then take then take those questions in from the audience. So Anita, you've told us you know you're about your journey. You've told us about what led you to 
choose NFTs and then build blind boxes, spoke about the community, you spoke about the advisors that helped you, the value of, of NFTs today, and, uh, you know, of course, the gold Pokemon card, right? <laughs> but, um, I'm, keen, I'm really keen to understand. Um, what's your philosophy about Web3 changing lives? Oh, yeah. So, like I said, the, the biggest uh, compelling aspect of this whole space is the fact that there's the decentralization allows for more transparency and access for more people. And mm -hmm. the regulation as it is now, it might change, but when the mm -hmm. regulation is now, the average retail investor, the average person can mm -hmm. get access to these early stage ideas and opportunities and support them in a really cool way. So I, I think that you have this opportunity that might not be here in the future. You know, there, there are ways that this can get regulated away. Um, although I would say I doubt completely, but there's ways that it can change. But this is an opportunity for you to become a savvy investor and participate in this process of building, allowing, facilitating the building of companies from scratch. That said, with this freedom comes responsibility and risks. Unlike the, the typical world that many of us come with, there's no... Uh, centralized authority that can really help you if you invest, if you're scammed or you invest in something, you know, it's, 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 it's all for you to have custody of your things. But the best thing that you can do if you're in a space is be educated and understand the risks that you're going into it and go into it with a longer term mindset. I would say the average person is not the best at buying and flipping and speculating. And if they are, that's fine, but that's not going to be for everyone. It doesn't have to be. If you can be mm -hmm. someone who finds projects that you really believe in, and invest in them in somewhat long term, I think that you'll have a less stressful life and it can be beneficial for you. If you are a creator, you also have this tool that allows you to reach that potentially thousands of investors and community people that get them excited about it. Your responsibility okay. there is to have take the time to build a business model that is really sound, very sound, the most sound. Because even if you have if you start from a sound business model, even then you can still fail. So start there. If you don't know how to do this, bring in experts, mm -hmm. bring in advisors, not just advisors who can tell you how to hype your project, but people who could right. help you develop an economic model, right? So mm -hmm. the tokenomics, which we haven't talked about enough, but this utility thing, this whole concept of utility comes back to tokenomics. So what is mm -hmm. the economics of your token, of your NFT collection? Truly, not just yeah. the supply, but you know what's going to fuel the demand do you have any controls to bring down inflation, for example? Do you have any plans to actually make these NFTs useful for things? Um, so you, and that's that's something you can't just learn from a Twitter space or one call. You really have to, um, you know, investigate the space, go into traditional models, look into the, the Web two space and the history mm -hmm. of time. You know, you don't have to reinvent mm -hmm. the wheel here just because you're using a tool. So yeah, right. take the time to develop a sound business model and then be trustworthy. So I would say don't necessarily be anonymous or you can potentially be mm -hmm. anonymous, but you have to have this accountability because the next iteration of crypto and NFT investors, um, they're not going to be the same as before. And I, th I think that they're, they're going to want accountability, especially if they're investing their harder money in your project. Of course, of course, of course. Well, so that, that's uh, that's certainly a philosophy. I mean, more more importantly, it's a series of values uh, that every founder should should abide by, you know, and have stake in their sites, right? No deviation. So, thank you for sharing that with us, uh, Anita. I think yes. That that being said, um, 
Yeah, let, let me see. Okay, I, I can already see that there's, there's messages in from the audience and we have somebody that, that has requested to speak. Uh, I'm going to see if I can bring that up, but I think the first question I'm going to take is from AM. Uh, AM asked the question, all right, so blind boxes, uh, you know, target customer base, uh, can a novice, can a novice or a newbie be part of the blind boxes community and, you know, use blind boxes? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So the, the, I guess we haven't fully talked about blind boxes, the concept of blind boxes. So we're a gamified launchpad and marketplace for NFTs. And when we are running these, for example, these launchpad events, one, if you're not familiar with launchpads, the idea is that you can go to a centralized space, like a webpage, that, and you can invest early stage in vetted projects. And typically, launchpads will have incentives that incentivize people community and allow them to get access to really cool uh, early stage products. So with blind boxes, we're looking at projects, everything from art to metaverse to gaming to just straight up utilities like domain name services, things like that. Um, and what we do is to make it beginner friendly or friendly to any human page, we do a lot of storytelling around a project, try to. So again, who are the founders? What are they doing? What is their vision? What is their tokenomics? And moving forward, what we're going to be doing is applying our own analysis to it. So really doing the deep dives that we do personally, but making it public. So looking into the community, okay, this project has 10,000 followers on XYZ on Twitter. What percentage of those followers are potentially bots? Okay, and it's not about us vetting, it's about vetting the projects, but teaching our community how to vet as well. So I believe that blind boxes actually moving forward will be a lot more beginner friendly because we're focusing on this storytelling aspect and the mm -hmm. vetting aspect and making it as easy as possible for people to, to join this space. Also, finally, another thing we're focusing on is security, right? So as I mentioned before, trust is an issue. Anybody who's been in the crypto space for long enough has been scammed or has heard of someone being scammed. So we're constantly doing, alongside everything else we're doing, education mm -hmm. and helping our users learn how to be savvy. Because what happens right. if, if someone gets scammed, whether it's with blind boxes or somewhere else, then you might lose someone. You might lose a really uh, potentially valuable investor in the space forever um, because it is so new. So we want to protect any, anybody that interacts with us. We want to Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that those certainly areas to focus on. I've got another question that's that's coming from Keto. Uh, Keto asked the question. Um, how do how do artists or digital artists interact with your platform? Yeah, so typically what artists will do is they will apply to join the platform using our application. Mm -hmm. And you know, we're in this in this vetting process, we're looking to see where we can categorize a project, whether they are mature and go to market or whether they need more support. And typically, you know, if a project is legitimate, even if they're not ready, we will have a call with them to see mm -hmm. if, if they can potentially, you know, what we could potentially do to get them up to speed and go to market in time. Um, but yeah, you, you have to come to the project with your own portfolio and preferably your own community. The hardest thing actually is to build a community. And as much as yeah. you build your own community, we actually cannot fully build a community around a project anyway. So we need mm -hmm. to have projects that have their own community at least started or has ideas about how they're going to build a community. Right. Okay. All right. Um, thank you. I'm, uh, you know, uh, Kito, I hope that, that that does answer your question. Um, I have another one come in from Sarah. Uh, Sarah asks, 
What are the future plans for, for blind boxes? Uh, I, I think she means over, over the next five years. So longer term, so the, the marketplace will stay intact and the IDEO function will still be intact, but we're actually working on building more DeFi tools that can service our, our, our user base. So the idea being that you come to the blind box platforms. I, I'm actually hesitating a bit because we haven't fully announced what these tools will be, but the idea is that you will be able to both buy and sell NFTs. You'll be able to stake your token on our platform. You'll be able to uh, invest in IDOs from the stage, which is something you already do. And you'll be able mm -hmm. to do some basic DeFi functionality. This is something we plan to have within the next two next year actually um one sec okay okay um fine so I, I think that does ask oh i'm sorry that, that was actually from am uh sarah is the person who requested to speak i think she's connecting back with us you may have a problem sarah if you can hear us uh send in your question to send in your question to add lunum inc or to the speaker directly and we'll, we'll have that answer for you okay um yeah she's, she's bounced out again all right Okay. Next, um, this actually this is this is one from me, Anita. I you know I understand that you know you you work with a lot of these these empty projects. What would you want to say to them? Um, you know when when they come on board because there there doesn't you know it, it's not like there's a shortage of people who want to get into NFT projects, right? Uh, and they really need to have a deeper understanding about something. I know you've touched upon this before, but what would you say to them, or what would you say to me if I came to you and said, hey? Uh, you know, um, I want to work with blind boxes. I have this series of fantastic, you know, NFT uh, digital art kangaroos that I want to turn into the next, you know, uh, BAYC. Yes. So this is where I would, we would have a very long conversation about both utility and go-to-market strategy. So first mm -hmm. idea is just the first thing I would say is what is, what is the utility of these tokens? What do they do? What, what do they do today? What will they do in two weeks? What will they do in three months? What will they do in two years, right? So thinking about the, the roadmap, but not based upon what the company you think you can build, but what will the value of this NFT be? What will it do? What, do you, what are your ideas? And we get all these ideas onto paper. And I would even encourage you to push even further than, you know, to, to make this brainstorming very robust because there's mm -hmm. flexibility there. And the space is evolving, and you don't know what will be available in, in three months, for example. Um, and yeah. so that would be the first phase. The second thing I would ask you about would be your team and you know your commitment to the, the idea. So one issue that Blindboxes has had is that we brought on really cool projects with you know, salaries and economics, but the founders themselves, for whatever reason, or the teams, they weren't fully in it. So you know they mm -hmm. would even agree to launch them boxes, but they were, let's say, only in it for the top, right? They, they were in it for the idea yeah. of, I want to be able to sell XYZ NFTs in one day and make XYZ money. And then that's the extent right. of what they wanted to do. And the problem with yeah. that is that it's very thin. Their business model becomes very thin. And as soon as the market turns, which the market turns, you know, quite often, if you're in a space yeah. often, these projects completely disappear. So that would be yeah. before blind boxes were to invest in you really understanding do you understand uh, the, the long-term implications? Do you have long-term ideas for your, your project or is it short-term funding? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd say the final thing is community. What is your plan for building community? And it can't be that you're going to just be that you're going to pay a bunch of influencers to promote your project because that doesn't work anymore and it's not sustainable. So what is your plan? And do you 
Are you going to be focusing on content marketing? Are you going to be focusing on traditional marketing, guerrilla marketing? Um, how are you going to make it so that people are interested in your project day after day, beyond just the day when you sell your tokens for the first time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so wow, community, that's, that's... team, and long-term perspective. Community, team, long-term perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, CP, uh, LTP. Okay, got it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, LTP. Yeah. So, okay, fair, fair enough. I mean, you know, I, I like, I like that. Uh, this, you know, each of these questions are, of course, designed to get people thinking because it, it breaks them away from that. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll just put something up there and hope that somebody buys it, and then I can call myself, you know, uh, a digital artist or an NFT uh, creator, right? It's not going to work uh, anymore. It's just not going to work anymore. <laughs> those, those days are gone, right? So, people, please think about what you want to do with your NFTs before you, you know, before you even decide to put it out there and have a word, of course, with really different blind boxes, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have, have ideas about, about utility. Just think of, think of NFTs as. One way you can think of them as a membership pass, a membership club uh, ticket. Right. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a piece of paper, you know, or if you don't add anything to it, but what can you add? Whenever I talk to new projects, I think about what assets they have. It can be kind of daunting. They're thinking, I don't know what utility means. I don't know what we can offer. Think about what your brand or your project has already. Do you have free mm-hmm. things that you can get, whether it's free knowledge, free product, mm-hmm. uh, discounts? One project that I'm advising, I'm really excited about, is you know they they make a uh, a supplement a female okay. supplement and it's a product that is normally it's already been on the market for about multiple years but now they've added mm-hmm. this NFT to it which is attached to a very cool artist but the whole point is like one of the core values when I'm telling people about it very quickly is if you have this NFT you get a significant discount on the product for life mm-hmm. and so if you like this product and you you appreciate saving money that's the single most uh, compelling use case. There's, of course, more. There's more potential. But if you can start with that, this NFT gives you a discount. It sounds super simple, but we all know coupons. And we've used them and we like it. We love promo codes. You can think of yeah. your NFT very simply as a permanent promo code. That's one way to think of it. You know, that's, that's something you can do without using developers or anything like that. But the challenge is, can you do more than that? What can you do in the future? Do you have access to physical space anywhere in the world? An art gallery in Prague. Okay, maybe your NFT allows people to go to that art gallery once a month and do things. But you have to be creative about it. Right. Fair enough. No, I, yeah, spot on. Spot on about that. Uh, okay, I think last, uh, and I want to dwell into this, but I know it's going to be a long conversation on either. So I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold back, but I, I will message you in, in detail about sure. this as well. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next question, the next question is uh, from Alina, and she asks, um, "Where do you see uh, NFT marketplaces going? What is the trend that exists for them in this coming year?" Well, I think many there. There were a lot of marketplaces that launched in the past, we'll say two years. I think many of them will go away because it's. The network effects are, are quite strong, right? You need to have uh, a critical mass of mass of buyers, sellers of the platform for it to be sustainable. So I think that a lot of we'll say copycat markets are going to disappear just because the volume is not there, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I think some of the larger ones will stay in, in place just because they have the, the mm-hmm. money and financial aspects to stay there. But I think that in the future, um, 
the smart marketplaces will evolve to providing a very specific value. So mm-hmm. potentially you'll see marketplaces that are very, very niche, for example, focusing primarily on gaming, for example, or focusing on creators and products from a certain region, certain types of NFTs. I also think you're going to see uh, marketplaces, if they want to survive, innovate in the way that they're selling NFTs. So there's this whole massive untapped market of people who don't even understand NFTs, don't understand crypto. If you can penetrate that market, if you can target that market in any way, then you can survive. But that's not an easy task. It's not an easy thing. There's a lot of information. So uh, marketplaces that spend the time to educate people will have uh, a better time to interact. Exactly. Exactly. I, I think you're, you're spot on. You know, uh, Anita, it, 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 uh, it doesn't go amiss that I, I understand that you've worked with, with, with business development and you also have a background in engineering, but what would you, what are you saying, what are you saying to us through what I've heard? Or maybe that's just because I have my marketing hat on. Uh, is, is, you've given us a lot of insight about how to really create value for a customer and, and any good marketer knows that, you know, that is the number one thing you look at when you start any venture whatsoever. So I got to thank you for that. No, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a process. We're all learning, um, but it's, it's important to continuously reevaluate what you're doing in the space, whether you're an investor or a creator uh, or in, in the space, really, what are you doing and, and how can you do better for people? Yes. Exactly, exactly. So, um, Anita, thank you so much. We've come to the end of our show. Uh, I know we're going to need another one or a, a, certainly a longer conversation that we have. Uh, but thank you once again for agreeing to be on the future of NFT today. Thank you so much for having me. If anyone is on this call is interested, definitely come to Blind Boxes, visit us in any of our social channels, and we can help you get your product off the ground. Thanks so much, everybody. All right. Thank you. Thank you once again, Anita. And ladies and gentlemen, those of you that are in the house and those especially who are in New York, um, tomorrow we have our CDO and co-founder Lawrence Hudson speaking at the Future of Crypto event hosted by, uh, powered by Benzinga. Um, if, you know, drop in. If you haven't bought your ticket yet, you can use the code ADLUNUM20 to get yourself a 20% discount on the, on the ticket that's happening tomorrow, uh, 7th of December at Pier 60 in New York City. All right? All right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Future of NFTs. We will be back next week at the same time in the same place. See you then. Cheers. You've been listening to The Future of NFTs. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform like Spotify or iTunes. Connect with AdLunum on Twitter at AdLunum Inc. or our website, adlunum.cc.